Hey, welcome to the official podcast of St. Luke Amy Church located in Garland, Texas. I am Pastor Amos St. John. And I am Pastor Jasmine St. John. We are the lead pastors of St. Luke Garland. And we're so excited that you have decided to listen to this podcast. Listen, we pray that the message you are about to hear will bless you right where you are. If you want to know any more information about our church, you can visit us at stlukegarland.org. Now, get ready for the word. Grace and peace be unto you from God, our creator, Jesus Christ, our Lord and liberator, earth's emancipator, as well as the sweet, endearing, powerful and peaceful presence of the Holy Spirit. I bring you greetings on behalf of the Bethel Amy Church here in Selma, North Carolina, where I serve as senior pastor. Give God praise for your pastors, my big brother and sister who I've known for the majority of my life, uh, the Reverends Vashti Jasmine and Amos St. John. We thank God for them. Come on, give God praise for them wherever you are. Uh, and also pray for them as we are all grieving the loss of their father and my uncle, uh, Uncle Stan. We thank God for Episcopal Supervisor Stanley McKenzie, who has been a blessing for years for so many people. And it was indeed a model of manship, manhood, and ministry uh, for me. And so pray for uh, the entire family, including uh, Bishop Bashti, Murphy McKenzie, uh, Joy John, uh, and everybody else connected to them. And with that being said, I, I hope that this, this, this word, this weekend, gives your pastors time to grieve and to rest. Because grieving, as those of us who have grieved know, grief is exhausting. And so I uh, am honored to be able to fill in this slot so that uh, my big brother and my big sister can have some time to rest uh, and to seek God and to feel the love and to be poured into after having poured into so many others week after week. The word of God this morning comes to us from Isaiah 54. Very familiar passage of scripture, verse 11 through 17. Reads this wise from the King James Version of the Masoretic text. Hear now the word of the Lord. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted. Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and lay thy foundations with sapphires. And I will make thy windows of a gates, and thy gates of carbuncle, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith who bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. The 
grass may wither, the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen. For the few moments that are ours, I'd like to preach from this text, this thought. It will not work. It will not work. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, you alone are my strength. You alone are my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you look back over the last 25 to 30 years of American Christianity, it has become clear that the gospel that we preach is more in line with Forbes magazine and the Wall Street Journal than with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have preached the gospel that is one of wealth, health, and prosperity. That if you have faith, that if you are saved, if you tithe, then you will not experience the various vicissitudes of life. That if you are committed to God, that God will protect you from everything. And sadly, the overwhelming reality is that this is a bold-faced lie. It is impossible for you to look at the expanse, not only of your own personal life, but even across the length and breadth of this world, to note that evil is indiscriminate. Evil does not have a particular type of person or a particular religion to which it picks at. Evil is simply evil. In the words of the existentialists, what we experience on a day-to-day -day basis is that life is lived between what should be and what actually is. This is called the absurd. The absurdity of life is the tension between what we believe should be and what we experience day by day. This is the reality that when you look at our lives, we do not live on any polar side of this tension. But life, regardless of how saved you are, how big your Bible is, how often you go to church, life is lived in the midst of this tension. Life is lived in the midst of this tension. And no matter how big uh, your, 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 your Bible is, how long your skirt is, how long you've been coming to church, how many conferences you have been a part of, whether or not you've been a delegate to the annual or general conference, regardless of how saved you are, how many tongues you speak, all of the churches you, you've been to, all of the pastors you know, the scriptures you can quote, and the hymns you know line for line, everybody experiences the reality and the bone-crushing frustration of the absurd, the absurdity of life is that life is not always fair. In the words of, of that great Negro poet Langston Hughes, life for me ain't been no crystal stare. It doesn't matter how much you think you know about God. No matter how much you pray and fast, everybody experiences the absurd. You can be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and depressed. You can be 
mind, waking up every morning with your mind stayed on Jesus and still unemployed. You can be dealing with and serving in church the way that you've always wished to serve in church and still find yourself in harmful and toxic friendships and relationships because the reality of life is that life is absurd. Life, in other words, does not make much sense. And when we get to the circumference of our text in Isaiah 54, the prophet is writing to a group of Israelites who are the remnant left over and left behind through the exile. And the prophet is trying to encourage them about the role of the returning and evident uh, of the evidence of the eventual coming of a Messiah who is going to redeem them from the hands of the oppressor and of the enemy. Here are the children of Israel locked away in Babylon, frustrated and not knowing what's next for them. And here is the words of the prophet, this, these very famous scripture words, those we've heard in songs and in psalms and in hymns and in scriptures and in sermons that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You could say that in any black church all around this country and people would inevitably wave their hands and shout and start to run and speak in tongues. But there's something about this text that is unnerving. Reverend Jasmine, there's something about this text that is unnerving to me. And I hope that you will indulge me of the privilege to interrogate this text. That while it is good to shout about the fact that weapons do not prosper, the question that I have of this text, Reverend Amos, is why do the weapons form in the first place? It, it, it doesn't make sense. I thought I was saved. I thought I was called of God. I thought God was on my side. But yet and still, I find myself waking up in the morning expecting Experiencing a run-in with a weapon that does not make sense, does not line up with my prayer life, does not line up with my fasting schedule, does not line up with what I know and understand about God. I'm trying to figure out, no matter how saved I think I am, why do the weapons form in the first place? Why, no matter how, how much I pray and how much I lay hands, the loved one still dies? How does the weapon form in the first place when I'm faithful to my church but I still experience church hurt that I did not welcome and I did not warrant why does the weapon form in the first place when I fast and I tithe and I'm faithful in my giving but yet and still I find myself with a pink slip on my desk how in the world will the weapon form in the first place and we can look even over the expanse of the state of Texas and wonder why does the weapon form in the first place when Governor Abbott would much rather defund schools for teaching the truth about racism and white supremacy in the history of Texas than he would do anything to stop racism in the first place. I've got a question why. Does the weapon form in the first place when they would much rather shut down any type of mask mandate to make sure that our people are protected and guarded by 
by and from the COVID-19 virus where they will shut down vaccine centers and make sure that counties and cities that do not bend to the political will of the far right in Texas are now crippled because they cannot do what's necessary to protect their citizens. I've got a question. Why does the weapon form in the first place when we have a Democratic Party that fought for four years to take back the House, the Senate, and the White House, but the entire time they've been in office, they have sat on their hands and have done nothing to really change the material circumstances of the most vulnerable in this society when Congress would much rather recess than find ways to stop the eviction moratorium that will create an even greater homelessness and houselessness crisis in this country. My question is, why does the weapon form? I need to figure this out. Why? Why does the weapon form? Why? If I'm saved, do I experience heartbreak? Why? That even though we prayed and fasted before the wedding, why am I still in divorce court? Why am I experiencing the absurd? Well, let me let me let me challenge you, beloved, that for every why. God always provides a why not. That for every why, which causes us to question what we experience, there is a why not that gives way and opens doors to new possibilities. Let me come help you here. Let me put it in the text. This is, if there is any uh, wrestling, any main thing I want you to take away from this sermon is this. Don't get so caught up in the existence of a weapon that you forget that for every weapon that is formed, there is a, pri a promise that is present. Let me, look, I just blessed myself there. I, I'm going to say that again. For every weapon that's formed, there is a promise that's present. That for every sickness, there's a promise. For every lack, there's a promise. For every frustration, there's a promise. For every depression, there's a promise. For every hurt, there's a promise. For every heartbreak, there's a promise. Is there anybody here that can testify that for every weapon that is formed against me, there is still a promise that is present with me? I'm so glad that God does not leave me staring down the barrel of an existential or spiritual weapon without there being a promise that's present. Can I give you some scripture? The Bible says, the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. No matter where I find myself, no matter what confronts me, the promise is always present. Let me climb up a few verses in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me for every weapon. There is a promise. And I want to help you here. The promise is not simply the fact that the weapon that's formed will not prosper. That is too simple. 
that it's too mundane for God. But let me tell you, it's not about the uh, it's not about the weapon not prospering. It's about why it does not prosper. Can I help you real quick? I only got about five more minutes. Then I'm out your way. The reason why the weapon does not prosper. The reason why the weapon, no matter how big it forms, and no matter how strong it looks, no matter how intimidating it seems, the reason why the weapon does not form is because the person who formed the weapon was formed by the person who formed me. <laughs> That's why my weapons don't form. The weapons uh, don't prosper. Because regardless of the weapon that's in front of me, uh, the God who made me uh, has made me strong enough uh, to confront any weapon that stands in front of me. So I just got four words for you. It's four words that are going to be your prophetic word uh, for the rest of the week. What are those four words, Reverend Melick? Uh, can I give them to you real quick? It will not work. That's the word. That's the word. It will not work. And you know why it won't work? The reason why it won't work is because you're made by the God who made the weapon. And so no matter how big the weapon, God has already understood the capacity and the ability of the thing that confronts you, as well as understanding the capacity and the ability of the person that's standing in front of the weapon. That's the God that we serve, that no matter how much the weapons form, the weapons forming will not mistake and will not overtake the power of God's promise. I need you to look at somebody. Look at yourself and say the weapon won't work. It won't work. It will not work. It will not work. Can I give you some ebonics? It ain't gonna work. It ain't fitting to work. The God I serve is too faithful that even when I can't be faithful, the God I serve is too faithful to me. Yes, yes. I need you to understand you are made. You are created to handle everything that is going on in your life. God God may not have ordained it. Uh, oh, this is a word for somebody. God uh, may not have ordained it, but God uh, can redeem it. God uh, can restore it. God can take it and make something out of it. That's the God we serve. Uh, can I tell you? Can I? Let's get back to the text because I know I only got a few more minutes to make it. Uh, but I want to tell somebody uh, this is the reason why the weapon don't work. Uh, and I'm going to take my seat. I'm out your way. The reason why the weapon won't work. This is what I need you to do this week uh, as you are dealing with the frustrations of life uh, staring down the barrel of weapons that form against you this is what uh, you got to understand uh, is that the, it will not work because you will remember what you're made of that's my one point you will remember what you're made of you are made uh, of something God did not just throw you together. God did not just piece you together, but you are intricately designed. You are tailor-made. You are custom-fit. God tailored you and created you with specific instructions on who you were to be, how you were to come about, what you could stand, how much of a load you can bear. That's the God that we serve. And I want to give you something in the text. Where does it say this in the text, Reverend Melick? I'm going to share it with you and I'm going to get out your way. The Bible says, the Bible says in Isaiah 54, verse 12, it says, I will lay thy foundations with sapphire and I will make thy windows of a gate and thy gates of carbuncle. 
what does that mean? Uh, what do, I know you know Carbuncle. Only Carbuncle you know are, are, are Simon and Garfunkel. I didn't say Simon and Garfunkel. I said Carbuncle. Uh, you are made of sapphire, a gate and Carbuncle. This is what uh, you are made from. And I'm going to share with you three things, these three pieces, uh, and why they are significant as to why the weapon will not prosper. The first thing it says, you're made of is sapphire. Sapphire in biblical literature was symbolic of power and strength. This is what will be on the scepters and the thrones of kings and queens to represent that they are powerful enough, that they are strong enough, that innate within their kingdom and their queendom is something that is strong enough to handle any enemy that tried to come its way. You need to understand that you've got some sapphire on the inside of you. Uh, that in spite of what is trying to intimidate you, uh, you are strong. Uh, you are. You got it going on. Uh, you got power on your side. Uh, touch yourself and say, "I'm a sapphire. Uh, I'm a precious stone. Uh, I've got power on the inside of me. I've got strength to fight any battle." Uh, this is what you've got to remember: that for every weapon that is formed, uh, you've got the strength to deal with the weapon. Uh, because God put something on the inside of you that is greater than what's going on around you. Yes, uh, touch your neighbor and say, I got sapphire. I got sapphire. And this is what you got to understand about the sapphire. The text says uh, that the foundation is made of sapphire. The sound, the foundation is made of sapphire. The foundation is made of sapphire. Do you understand what a foundation is? I know I'm talking to folk in Texas. More than likely, you have worked on a house. You work on a building. And you recognize that for every building, a building is built on a strong foundation. That your foundation is not built on something weak, but the text says that your foundation is built on sapphire, that you are built on a strong foundation, on a powerful foundation, that no matter what comes across you, no matter what challenges you, there is something stronger under your feet. The Bible says, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. I've got sapphire on my side. That's the first thing, sapphire. Then the second thing, the second thing to remind you of what you're made of, the second thing is a gate. A gate is a stone that is always symbolic for composure. It is symbolic of peace and contentment that regardless of what I go through, I've got some a gate in me that no matter what tries to challenge my mind, because the reality is the battle ain't over your bank account. No, no. The battle ain't even over your body. The battle is over your mind because if the enemy can convince you anything about your mind, what you will recognize is you can blow any type of way, whichever the wind, whichever way the wind flows, based upon a lack of composure. But I came to tell you that you got some composure that is built on the inside of you, that God put on the inside of you composure that ain't gonna come from no liquid courage, ain't gonna come from no Johnny Walker Red, ain't gonna come from no Casamigos, whether it's Blanco, Reposado, uh, or Anejo. Y'all help me, y'all. Uh, that composure is not going to come uh, from the end of a blunt. Uh, it ain't going to come from nobody's backwood. Uh, it ain't going to come from a menthol cigarette. Uh, that, that composure is not going to come even from you doing yoga woosa. Uh, but that composure comes uh, from what Paul says, uh, the people 
peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard my heart and my mind. You ought to give God praise, not for a new house, not for a new car, not for new clothes, but I give God praise that in the midst of everything going on around me, I still got my composure, that I won't lose my mind, I won't lose my faith, I won't lose my strength, I still can keep myself composed. That's why folk around you who know all the hell that you're going on, that you're going through, are wondering and frustrated because that if they were you, if they had to walk a mile in your shoes. They would have thrown in the towel. They would have gone off the deep end. But you ought to give God praise that within the inside of you you still got some composure. First thing is sapphire. The third thing, the second thing is a, got, uh, uh, a gate. And then the third thing, and then I'm done, is that there is carbuncle. You are made of carbuncle that, that God says that your gates your gates will be made of carbuncle. This is going to be specific for about 10 of you. This, this is a specific word. Carbuncle was a stone that the ancient Hebrews used and they put around uh, the, the temples and the thrones that represented uh, protection from sickness. Uh, that I, I'm going to talk to people who are dealing with things in their body, people who are dealing with bad diagnoses from the doctor, that you are protected from sickness. You are protected from illness in your body. That just because it is in your body does not mean it has to take your body. That just because there is a threat on one hand does not mean that it has to take your body on the other. But there is, oh I feel something, carbuncle all around you. That no matter what and some of you ought to give God praise because there are some things you should have caught a long time ago. Some sicknesses you should have had a long time ago. There are some things that you had and God got rid of. And there's some things you're dealing with in this moment. But I came to give you a prophet's word. That there is carbuncle all around you. That your gates are protected. That no matter what sickness tried to creep in. Oh, I came to tell you. You are made out of a stone that will protect you from every hurt, harm, or danger. Protect my child. Carbuncle over my family. Carbuncle over my marriage. Carbuncle over my over my job. Carbuncle over my body. Carbuncle over my mind. I know this is weird. You ain't never had to say this before, but I want you to speak carbuncle over it. Oh yes, I need you to understand that regardless of what the weapon is, the gate has been made and the protection is there. And so when you understand this and you look at the text where it says that every that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. It's not simply because the weapon does not fire. It's not because the weapon does not form. It's not about whether or not the weapon forms. But the reason why it won't prosper is not because the weapon won't form. But it won't prosper because of who formed me. I've got to leave you now. May the Lord God bless your real good. But is there anybody in this place that can testify that the God I 
serve has made me in God's likeness and in God's image and so I have no reason to be worried I have no reason to fear the Lord is my light and my salvation of whom shall I be afraid when the evil and the wicked come to devour my flesh of this I'll be secure one thing I said one thing have I desired of the Lord and that shall I seek after that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever good evening y'all may the Lord God bless you real real good but I got to leave you but I got to encourage you to know that it will not work it will not work you are built for tough you are built faith tough there is nothing that can take you out that God has not ordained so can I tell you like big mama said why should I feel discouraged and why should the shadows come why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven's home when Jesus is my portion a constant friend is he his eye is on the sparrow and I know he's watching me say yes I'm so glad that no matter what weapon forms whether it's poverty whether it's unemployment whether it's sickness whether it's frustration whether it's anxiety whether it's grief the weapon will not prosper say yes yes I'm so glad that the weapon it will not work God bless you hey family we pray that this word has encouraged and inspired you and right where you are go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you can listen to the word of God each and every single week if you want to know more information about St. Luke Garland or if you want to sew please visit our website at stlukegarland.org we'll see you next week